From the studios of Teeing It Up in the swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling for Wednesday, December 27th, the year 2017. It's time to finally talk with Kyle DeMann and Cora about the NBA. Uh, life as a working man and an engaged man has gotten in the way, but he's finally here. Hello, sir. Hey, Jeremy. How are you? All right. So let's be honest with, you know, let's just get this out of the way. Confessional radio here. I'll, I'll, I'll steal from other people who have done this. Is it to the point where, like, if you want to watch a league pass game at, like, 11 o'clock at night, you can't anymore? Or or is your NBA watching still fully un, uninhibited? No, that's pretty uninhibited. The, be- the beautiful thing for me is she, my fiance, she goes to bed a little earlier because she gets up earlier. So... You know, when it comes to me, I'm a night owl, so that's, you know, I have free reign on the TV <laughs> late night, so usually all NBA. So, all right, so maybe it's the ref- it, uh, so maybe it's the reverse then. It's those random, you know, Saturday 5 p.m. games where the problems arise. Yeah, the weekends are a little trickier during the day. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you're happy, we're happy that you're happy, um, and away you go to wonderful things in the new year. Uh, speaking of wonderful things in the new year, Celtic fans were really excited about that, and Celtic fans got really depressed on opening night when Hayward went down, and lo and behold, this team has been flying. They're now 27-10. and 10. Uh, As an NBA junkie who obviously thought all summer about how Hayward would play into that offense and how Kyrie and Hayward would, would complement each other, did you ever expect 27-10 and 10, uh, post that injury? Oh, no, of course not, especially, like you said, with the way it happened. I mean, for two minutes of the game opening night, I mean, it was a very horrifying injury from what, and I'm sure you remember that. It's hard to forget it, but, yeah. you know, at that point, you're thinking, wow, this, what turned into potentially a contender could really fall down on the, you know, the rankings in the East, and, you know, they've rallied together. You know, Kyrie Irving's obviously been terrific. He's a terrific player. Al Horford's been great. They're getting some good production from their rookies, um, from the rookie from Tatum. Um, he looks fantastic. Jalen Brown, he looks like he's going to develop into a really good player. So they have a lot of good role players, a lot of good pieces. Um, you know, the interesting part's going to be later in the year, you know, how Tatum holds up, how does Brown hold up. I mean, how does, you know, Kyrie get, a, get deeper into the season, into the playoffs with, uh, you know, is he going to be able to carry that whole load? Because if you look at their team, I mean, they don't really have a bunch of you know, big-time scorers with the exception of Kyrie. I mean, Horford's a nice piece, but he's not a guy that's going to go out and get you 25 to 30 every night. Hayward had that ability to get you 20 to 30 points on a given night with his ability to to attack the rim, to shoot the jumper, just create offense in in Brad Stevens' uh, game plan. So, you know, I love what they're doing. I just love their grit. They're a tough team. They're a very well-coached, pretty disciplined team. But, again, playoff time, as we all know, it's a different beast. And if you look at Cleveland, as always, they kind of coast through the regular season, and they have that monster come playoff time. Um, speaking of monsters, um, do you think Hayward comes back? Do you think there's a chance that you know he's he's got the boot off, he's walking, he's been shooting this whole time, you know, at at, at first from a, a wheelchair? Do you think there's any chance we see him later in the year? Look, I don't, I don't ever say no anymore when it comes to injuries in NBA players. I mean, some of these guys are just freaks with the way they heal, with the way modern medicine is today. I, I still think it's a long shot with the way his type of injury was uh, to see him back, especially by the time he gets back. You're looking at around playoff time. It's pretty hard for a guy to come up come up to speed at that point, especially not really played with this team. Um, 
but again, anything's possible. You know, even if he came back and he was a limited, you know, limited minutes, just the overall emotional lift that that would give the team and the city, you really can't overstate that. So, again, who knows what today's modern medicine, but I think Boston needs to be active, though, at the deadline, trade deadline, and they have the assets to go out and get somebody else to try to make this run. Speaking of assets, do you think Cleveland needs to do anything? 24-10 and 10 right now, three seed in the East. LeBron's doing it all. Again, they, they, they will get Isaiah Thomas back uh, shortly here. But, you know, I ask the same question every single time you're on the show. Is this, is this the year where LeBron's going to tire out and not be himself during the postseason? Do they need to get a, another piece in addition to what they're getting when Isaiah Thomas comes back? Well, that's a good question. I mean, it's going to be interesting. Like you said, we don't know how they're going to be with Isaiah Thomas. I mean, we have no idea how that's going to flow. Obviously, he's another playmaker, which they really lack right now. LeBron is obviously carrying a huge load. Kevin Love isn't really a playmaker. He's, he's, let's face it, he's a spot-up shooter at this point. Dwayne Wade looks really old. Derrick Rose is an MIA still. I don't know what's going to happen with him. So if you look at the Cavs, I mean, they really they don't wow you. I mean, obviously, LeBron is LeBron. Yeah, you can carry a team pretty much to the finals as we've seen before, but is that enough to, to win the championship? I don't know. Um, I do think I do think they can be active at the deadline, but again, you know, they still have luxury tax. Do they really want to trade that draft pick, that Brooklyn pick? Even though Brooklyn actually is not terrible, <laughs> you know, that pick might not be as valuable as they probably thought. But so it'll be interesting. I think they're just going to kind of wait for Isaiah to get his rhythm and see how they how they match the team. Nets right now would be the 11th seed, or sorry, are, are the 11th best team in the East, and thus, obviously, as you said, the draft pick right now would not be good. Let's talk about Derrick Rose for a second, just because you're a Bulls fan. Um, is this the end? Yeah, I think it was the end a few years ago, to be honest. Um, I think it's just one of those things, it's an unfortunate situation. It's, you know, Penny Hardaway, Grand Hill, kind of all over again, but just injuries just completely derailed him, and now it's at that point where mentally it, it's almost impossible to overcome. I mean, it seems like every time he steps up, you know, foot of the floor, something happens. It's a hamstring, it's a calf, it's a foot, it's a back. I mean, everything is, just seems to be locking up on him. So the fact that he stepped away at this time, especially being on the team that he's on right now with playing with LeBron, that almost tells me that, look, he, he just, the state of mind isn't there. He's not ready to take this, you know, to a deep run this year who is, a final, like mentally, he's just, I think he's done. Like, for his sake, I kind of hope he just shuts it down and retires and, and just stay healthy now for the rest of his life. Gotta wonder what would have been a couple of years ago in, in those playoffs where he hurt his knee. Yep. You just gotta wonder. Um, are the Raptors for real? 23 and 9? I mean, haven't we seen this before? Yeah, I mean, that's why I'm asking the question. Yeah, I, I don't know what's different about them this year than the past two years. I, I don't think they didn't really add anything to their team. I mean, yeah, DeRozan and Lowry are pretty good players, but we've seen them in playoff time. If they get cold, that, I mean, that team shuts down. I mean, they go with those two guys going. Lowry has a history of fading later in the season. So, I mean, DeRozan looks great. He's, ex- he's expanded his range. He's a, becoming a three-point shooter now, which is pretty scary. But again, I, I just look at that team, and I'm just like, same song. Same dance. I mean, there's nothing different about them. There's really no wow factor. You know, Abaka, Valanciunas, they had a good player, but big deal. I mean, I don't think they have enough to keep up with the Cavs or the Celtics. They'll make it a tough series, but I just think right now it's kind of fool's gold. 
you literally read my mind. I mean, Valanchunas is, is is averaging eleven a game. Uh, it's uh, I I'm not sure that's who you want as your fourth best scorer. Yeah, and he's just too slow. I mean, if you look at today's game, it's, it's an up and down style of pace. He, he just doesn't fit that mold. Yeah. All right. Uh, 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 we're going to handle this interview a little bit different because I want to flip over to the West now and, and point something out. Uh, we are left, as much as people thought we may not have been, with the following four teams at the top of the West, the Warriors, the Rockets, the Spurs, and the T-Wolves. Um, and, and, and we'll get to Minnesota because they're fascinating. The Warriors right now, I don't know if we're on a collision course for Warriors-Cavs Part 4. Do you think we're still on that collision course, by the way? Yeah, I do. I don't think anything's changed. I mean, obviously, an injury, you know, the Rockets will definitely pose a threat. But again, the Rockets can't defend. They still can't defend. They've done better this year. But again, trying to keep everybody on the floor together healthy. Paul's been in and out with injuries. So if you look at the Warriors, they're really coasting this year. Yeah, Steph is hurt. Draymond's been held out for a few games, but they're being almost extra cautious yeah. with, with their guys, which which makes sense. I mean, they're 12 deep. You look at Jordan Bell, which I'm still bitter about. You look at what his contributions are, and he's starting as a rookie on the best team in the league, and he's contributing in major ways. So they just have so many guys that can fill in voids that they don't really need to push to the regular season. It's get everybody healthy and do what they're going to do come playoff time. I, I think that's the real impact of, of the Durant deal is when you have a big four, you can lose a piece and you're just flying, and they're still flying. Um, where I was going with this um, is that the Rockets are giving up 106 points a game, um, and and the T-Wolves are also giving up 106 points a game. The, the Warriors, who are coasting, are, are giving up 105 points a game, although, you know, you see what, what Durant does to LeBron down the stretch. For me, I look at Minnesota as, as the, I don't know how to best put it, is, is, is the fact that this is, if we put Boston, uh, Golden State, uh, Cleveland up, up top is the kind of we know what's happening there deal. Um, is Minnesota the, the then the intriguing team when you're led by Butler and Cat and Wiggins and Teague and Taj as maybe that team that intrigues and is your more interesting watch because you have the known quantities elsewhere? Yeah, I mean, Minnesota's more, I mean, Coach Tips, he's always, anytime he coaches any team, I mean, it's an intriguing team. And my worry with Minnesota is. They play very slow, and with that kind of talent, you need to run up and down the floor. You need to get out and transition and, and just be more active yeah, as far as that goes. I think they play very slow. I think they lack depth um, in a big way. I mean, you know, you look at their team, and this is Tibbs' history. He tends to really run his starters into the ground, and you saw that in the Bulls here. And this team kind of reminds me a little bit of that. That 2011 Bulls team, when Rose was, you know, MVP, when they made it to the Eastern Conference Finals, you're kind of it's one of those teams where yes, they look good on paper, but come time for a big series against another offensive juggernaut, I just don't think they have enough to keep up. I mean, Butler's kind of taken a back seat so far, and maybe he's just kind of feeling out the team still, trying to play defense first. I mean, Towns is a beast. He's you could argue the best center in the league. Wiggins still needs to work on his overall game. He's still not a good shooter. He can't shoot free throws for some reason this year. I don't know what's going on there. 
Cade is a good point guard. He's not really going to hurt you, but he's also not going to wow you. And again, their depth, I just, I really don't see enough depth to get them to make a deep run. But again, Tibbs will make them play hard. They are going to come out every game and show up. But I still think they're a year or two away from being a really true contender. Um, Wiggins' uh, free throw percentage is 63 right now. which That's is terrible. Yes. And to your point about the minutes, Butler's averaging 37, Cat 36, Wiggins 36, Teague 34, Taj 33. That's just a lot. I mean, for your starters, already at this point in the season, I mean, like, again, that's Tibbs' M.O. That's, that's kind of the knock on Tibbs is, hey, man, slow it down a little bit. Like, you're, I mean, I get some of the guys are young. Todd isn't really that young. That's, that's the most thing that he's ever played in his career. Butler, geez, Butler for the last three, four years has been one of the minutes leaders in the league. So you just kind of got to be careful again. Like, and that's just Tibbs' way, though. I mean, that's, he's a great coach for a reason. All right, we interrupt us to talk about balls. Uh, would you like to say anything about Lonzo Ball? I mean, you know, he is what he is. He's, he's going to be a good player, obviously. He can do some really good things. He can also do some really bad things. I mean, props to him for buying his dad a Rolls Royce for Christmas. <laughs> I know everybody was tweeting about that over the weekend. So, um, you know, I, I still want to see him improve his shot. It's, it's starting to get a little bit better, but his mechanics are still terrible. Um, but he could do a lot of things, you know, really well as far as other contributions. He's just got to pick up his defense, though, too. All right. Then, Kyle, there's the Spurs, who just kind of quietly go about their business. They didn't have Kawhi until five games ago, and here they are, just moseying along. <laughs> Three seed right now in the West. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge is averaging 22. Um, they're just kind of progressing. They've got, I mean, what astounds me about them is they've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight guys averaging nine or above points per game. I mean, their depth and what Pop does with those rotations and getting everybody involved is just incredible. It really is. I mean, and you're right. They're just mosing along. I mean, we don't really hear much. We hear more about Popovich talking politics yes. than we actually hear about the Spurs basketball team. Yes. It, it's pretty insane that they still can play at this level, and you you really don't hear a lot about them on a given night. Like you said, they've been really cautious of Kawhi, which is smart. I mean, that's Pop's way. They rotate guys in left and left and right. Guys are always DNT'd for some quote unquote injury or rest. I mean. Pop clearly knows how to manage players. He's, he's, he's the best at it in the league. He's been the best at it. Again, it'll be interesting come playoff time how they stack up to the top two teams. I don't think they have enough offense to keep up with them, and I think they are a little bit older in certain positions. I mean, Parker, you know, they fall. It's very hard for those three guys to run with the Warriors or the Rockets. So That's again. exactly what I was going to say, which is um, if you look here at the um, standings, Thunder, uh, sorry, the um, the Spurs have the lowest point per game of anybody inside the top uh, eight. So anybody who would be in the playoffs right now, they have the lowest points per game average, um, which is... Yeah, I mean, that's, that's right there, you hit it on the head. I mean, that's, that kind of says a lot. And obviously Kawhi hasn't really been playing, but dude, I just don't think they have enough firepower in, in a lot of positions to keep up with those top two teams. I mean, Kawhi is going to be Kawhi. He's going to be a game changer in a big way. But you look at that team, and it's like, man, we've seen this before, and they've been great. They've been a dynasty. But I think it's one of those things that are kind of just riding out the wave right now. Talking with Kyle, the man in court here on Teeing It Up. Um, 
we've got uh, an interesting situation in Oklahoma City, which is Mr. Anthony live, leaves the Knicks, they get better. Um, he comes to Oklahoma City, they get worse. Uh, do you think that, that the, the Westbrook-George-Mello clan are going to be able to figure this out? Because obviously, as Carmelo uh, has said, he's playing in a different system. He's got to adjust his game, become more of a catch-and-shoot catch and shooter. Yeah, and you know, they, they started to play a little bit better lately. Um, they were really under 500 for a while, and they started to kind of click. It's still a very weird fit for me. Um, you know, Westbrook is a dominant, he needs the ball in his hand, and he's one of the high-usage players in the league. George is the same way, and so is Anthony. So, and it's funny, I was watching the game the other night, or the Christmas against, oh, against uh, Houston, and yeah. I, I was just kind of watching Carmelo. And it was the end of the game, it was, you know, kind of a, it was two, three-point game, and he was on the bench obviously, and for defensive reasons, but he was off, he was clapping, almost looked like he was trying to show that he was engaged, but you kind of tell that he's like, man, I should be on the court right now, but, you know, I just think with Oklahoma City, at what point do we give them enough time to try it out and say, hey, look, it's either going to work or it's not. Do they try to trade Paul George at the deadline, which is definitely an intriguing thought. I know he's on a he's a rental right now, but with a team like Boston, throw their hat in the ring for Paul George on a rental, I mean, I would if I were Boston. So it's one of those things where do they really fit together? I think we need to give them a few more weeks or at least another month to kind of see, but it's still an odd fit for me. And for me, um, and and for my money too, I don't know. I, I don't. If you're Westbrook, and yes, you just got the big deal. Don't you get antsy? Like I, I don't see what the future is. You've got an old aging piece. You've got a, a guy in George who everybody says is dead set on going to, to Los Angeles. I'm not. I I'm not sure I would have resigned. Yeah, I think they're just banking on the hope that George is going to stay. But you're right. I mean, I, I think it's been pretty obvious for a while that George has had his eye on L.A. So I don't know. <laughs> kind of again, Oklahoma City. But, I mean, Sam Presti's a genius. You know, he has done some things that would, I mean, even getting these guys in the offseason, I mean, no one saw that coming. So don't put anything past Sam Presti. He just needs to draft a little bit better. Um, he could hit some more home runs in that regard. But, you know, I think we need to give him a little bit more time, and then they'll, they'll determine whether this is going to work or not. Um, yeah, and I and also I think that um, it, it's a very interesting scenario when it comes to LeBron. It hasn't gotten a lot of chat lately, but what does LeBron do? Does Lamar Ball's antics impact uh, LeBron, and does that impact what Paul George ultimately does? And there's a whole cascading effect about that. Uh, no, yep, I agree. Yeah, where do you think LeBron goes right now? I really don't think he's going to go to L.A. I just, I think it's more people are just hoping, I guess, if you want to say that. But I, I kind of still see him staying in Cleveland. I, I don't know where else at this point he could go. I mean, unless somehow Houston, Houston could be a dark horse against Daryl Morey. He's a, he's a whiz when it comes to pulling off deals. Um, there's been talks that Houston is a really big sleeper team, and we know LeBron is really close with Chris Paul, so that would, that would be an interesting three. I mean, geez, Harden, LeBron, and Chris Paul, but again, whose team would that be? I mean, it's always been Harden's team. So I don't know. I think, you know, right now, I think still Cleveland. I can't say Cleveland, but a lot of his friends are getting older. I mean, Carmelo, Dwayne Wade, how many more years do these guys have left to be? I mean, 
that whole banana boat team, I mean, would, would that really honestly be a good team? I mean, I think they probably missed more games than they actually played in. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, right now, I still say it's Cleveland. Would you like to say anything on your Bulls? Yeah, I mean, look, I'm, I'm surprised. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of torn. I mean, I was embracing the tank before the year, and, you know, now I'm just, the way they're developing that quickly, I'm, I'm really glad and happy to see them winning, obviously, and playing well together. They've got a really good core. Chris Dunn looks phenomenal, like he finally found himself. Uh, marketing has been really good. So you look at the back of that trade with Butler, and yeah, it's a win-win for both teams, but the Bulls, man, they got, when Levine comes back, they're going to have a really good core. But again, you know, I'm still kind of siding with that embrace the tank, you know, motto this year because those top five picks this year are going to be pretty good. And then after that, it really dwindles down. So, but again, at least they're playing well. They're competing. They're not a pushover. You know, I think they're the first team in NBA history to win seven straight after losing 10 straight. So that was kind of cool. But it's just going to be a matter of, will the front office keep this thing together? Are they going to screw it up again? You know, who knows? And, and, and for me, uh, Kyle, this is what I went through with the Jets. You know, the Jets, some thought, I thought would be 1-15. Some thought would never get a win. I sat there at the third preseason game and thought, oh, my God, this team's atrocious. And then they start winning games. And then if it wasn't for the weird catch rule in Austin Safarian Jenkins, who knows what happens um, with the Jets in this season. And lo and behold, um, for, for my money, uh, it, you get mixed feelings. Like, you're not used to rooting against your team. It's been a very odd year as a Jet fan. I'm sure it's been very odd for you as a Bolts fan because you're one of those passionate fans who watches every game no matter what the record is, no matter what the situation is. And it's weird. Yeah, and you know what? That's why I'm glad the NBA changed up the draft lottery process. I don't, you shouldn't have a root for your team to lose. I mean, I'm a, you know, obviously there's certain situations and circumstances, but if you're a real fan and, you, and you're rooting for your team to lose just for a potential pick that you don't even know is going to be good or not, yeah. it's just the wrong message to send. This is a good um, uh, segue to, a, to a, a show we'll do next year about drafts and judging drafts and how I don't get how you can blame GMs for picking, for, for looking over somebody who you had no idea would be good or not. Yeah, it's a tough business. How do you blame a GM for not picking a uh, Deshaun Watson type guy where we had no idea what Deshaun Watson would be? Yeah, I mean, I guess that's why they make the big bucks. I, 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 it, that stuff just mystifies me, why people criticize GMs the way they do. But anyway, um, so you said that, that, that you still think we're going to uh, Cavs Warriors in, in the end come June. I do. I do think it, it's, nothing really has changed my mind in that regard. Um. Well, the only other thing I would say uh, to close out this appearance, your first of this season, is, is if you'd like to make up for lost time, I can have you on the next four Mondays just to make up for your lack of appearances from the start of the season until now. Got to fill that void, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, great to have you on. Happy holidays. Happy New Year. I'm glad that you and the fiancé have, have worked out a balance where you can still get your MBA fix. Um, it means a lot to me, and I'm sure it makes your soul feel good, too. Uh, absolutely, Jeremy. Again, I appreciate having me on, and have a good New Year. You got it, and thanks for listening to Teeing It Up, everybody.